I think it's just being able to ask yourself also and have an honest answer with yourself. Am I the kind of person that if I get a dog, I'm committed to my dog? Am I going to be able to be the kind of person that when things come up, I can figure it out? And really the biggest thing it comes down to is just that commitment. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you're listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today on Dog Words, Kennel Manager Cora Miller and Director of Operations Michelle Laskin from KC Protective Animal Welfare Society, KC Paws, discuss how their organization offers grooming, boarding, and daycare as part of their mission to rescue dogs from cruelty and neglect. If you're new to Dog Words, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We Save Each Other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. You can support Rosie Fund by making a donation on our website or Facebook page. You can also contribute by making a purchase from the store on our website, buying a t-shirt at bonfire.com, or buying our note cards featuring Rosie and Peaches and our shirts on barkyours.com. Links are in the description. Your donations and purchases help fund the Rosie Life Starter Kits that make sure these senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have some of the items they'll need in their forever home. Any donation amount is greatly appreciated, but here are some popular levels. $30 provides a collar and leash for a Rosie Life Starter Kit dog, and $100 covers their entire kit. You can also support Rosie Fund by downloading, subscribing, rating, and most importantly, sharing dog words. Follow us on social media, even if you aren't looking for a dog. Watching and sharing the videos helps our channel gain exposure, bringing awareness to our cause and giving shelter dogs much-needed attention. Our free Rosie Fund YouTube channel offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, Vinny, and shelter dogs looking for their forever home. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions, especially if you have an idea for a topic or guest. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today on Dog Words, we welcome to the studio Cora Miller, the kennel manager, and Michelle Laskin, the director of operation for PAWS, Protective Animal Welfare Society. And... uh, I kind of shortchanged you there, Michelle. I said director of operation. You're director of operations because yeah. <laughs> there's lots of operations going is, on yeah. with PAWS. So, Cora, Michelle, welcome to Dog Words. Thank you. And tell our audience a little bit about what is PAWS. So, PAWS started in 2007. Originally, we opened inside of a doggy daycare boarding place, and it started out with mostly daycare and boarding and just a few rescue dogs, and then has now kind of grown into the majority of it is rescue. And we do still offer low-cost boarding, daycare, grooming services for the community pets, especially in the Waldo area, but all of the proceeds go towards our rescue mission, which is to save as many dogs as possible And we offer low-cost foster boarding to other foster-based rescue groups that don't have their own facility. So our facility houses multiple small individual rescue groups all under one roof, and we all work together to help each other with adoptions, intake, meet-and-greet appointments, really anything, training. So it's kind of turned into this like little rescue hub of these small groups working together in the Kansas City area. What a great collaboration because those are services that, as a pet owner, you might take for granted it's just part of your daily or monthly routine with with having a dog and you forget a foster who has a dog for weeks or months yeah has those needs yeah and our facility because we offer those services and we have that space available that we keep available for pet services we can offer to our fosters who foster for us free daycare and boarding so if they go out of town they don't have to worry about well i've got this foster dog and i'm gonna have to pay to board it Mm -hmm. because if you're fostering you shouldn't really have to pay for those services so Yeah, they can bring them to doggy daycare while they go to work, take them home with them at night and still be a foster. Or if they have vacations or anything like that, they can bring them in for boarding as well. That also helps with the dog's adoptability because it's getting socialized and you're also building up its bio. You can say, here's how it interacts with other dogs and it likes female dogs or it likes male dogs or it likes to play with little dogs and you find out what its play style is, which again, is going to help with adoption. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our goal is to 
run our entire shelter as if it is all doggy daycare. So we try to have them in play groups as much as possible. So our shelter is not just they're in their kennel. They go out for potty break. They go back in their kennel. They're playing in play groups all day. They're playing in the pool. They're going on walks with their buddies. And we get a lot of our adopters that way because when you have a daycare dog who the staff says, hey, every time <laughs> Sparky comes in, his best friend who happens mm-hmm. to be adoptable is here playing with him. So, you know, we do get a lot of our daycare parents adopt or our adopted dogs come back as daycare dogs and we get to see them all the time, which is really nice because we get to see how well they're doing and like see them throughout years of their life where normally when a dog gets adopted, it's kind of like, okay, see you later. Bye. Mm-hmm. You know, it's heartwarming. Yeah. We get to see them blossom and grow. Yeah. The shelters, most of them shelters have a policy about a meet and greet. If you have another dog Yeah. And if it goes well, great. And if it doesn't, it's like, well, that's not probably going to work out. And let's look at another option for adopting. But even if it does work out, it's kind of a, it's it's an artificial interaction. It's kind of forced. And even if it doesn't work out, that might be because it's artificial. Whereas the daycare, just like maybe your best friend at school is the person you met on the first day of kindergarten, or it's this person that after a couple of weeks you find out, Oh, we have the same play style. We should hang out together more. And yeah. yeah. And so you get to have that more organic friendship developed between dogs. That, yeah, that could be part of the same pack. Yeah. And we also get to see just in general, like what kind of dogs are rescue dogs do the best with and so when a new dog comes in with a family that wants to adopt a dog potentially we can meet their dog and kind of tell like if a certain dog will like its temperament or not based Mm -hmm. off of who they typically play with in play groups so we can see kind of red flags or see things that we can see will make a good match as well yeah and that's why we do like home visits too to make sure like it's going to be good in like their own environment as well off the top of my head, I was thinking about um, we had a border collie come in, and if you know anything about border collies, you know they're pretty. I grew up with on a farm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know they're pretty um, high anxiety, high stress, and like new situations. So we had somebody come in with a border collie, and they were looking at one of our beagles, and the border collie was not happy about it. Like was stressed out, like snapping at the beagle. And I looked at them and I said, "How far do you live from here?" And they're like like five minutes and I'm like okay let's take this to your house let's see her in her own environment Mm -hmm. and she's trying to figure everything out why are we here what's going on who's in charge am I in charge right she's trying to figure out where she is who I am Mm -hmm. let alone who this new dog is am I at the vet (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh and she was like should I be rounding up all of these creatures right and her like little like human kid siblings were there and so she's like what are they doing are Mm -hmm. they okay you know so it was yeah it was a very telling experience of like how valuable a home visit is for sure we've had multiple dog behaviorists on and and quite recently stephanie with sacred paws and they all talk about every dog is unique there are breed tendencies as evidenced by that experience that you're describing with a border collie being one it's like yeah that sounds like a border collie but then they also have just their own unique personality And maybe a 10 to 15 minute meet and greet doesn't work for all of them. Let's get them in their home environment. Let's let them be themselves. And if you want to add a dog to your pack, you already have a dog. It's probably not best for it just to be a, we're going to go find a dog and add it to the pack. This isn't adding a book to the shelf. You're not just trying to fill out your your collection of, of novels, yeah. it needs to be the right dog of fit. Otherwise, the dog's going to be stressed out. Your current dog's going to be stressed out. You're going to be stressed out. <laughs> right. And there are so many dogs available that you don't have to force a fit. Yeah. Unfortunately, right. there are so many dogs right. available. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's why we also try to encourage people to think about where they're adopting, not because any one place is better or worse, but because different shelters different rescues have different abilities and so if you have no kids no other dogs no cats and you want to go to a walkthrough shelter and walk through the aisles and just see which one calls out to you and you feel like you have the capability to kind of run with that then that's awesome great do that 
But if you have other dogs or kids or cats and, you know, a laundry list of things that a new dog has to be able to fit in with and be good with, it is probably best to go to a smaller organization that can do a home visit, that can do multiple meets with your dog if necessary, go to the places that can have kind of a more personalized adoption experience that have the resources to do that where the larger intake shelters aren't able to do that. So you kind of have to do your research about, one, what do I need as an adopter, but also what shelters or rescues can meet those needs rather than just trying to kind of roll the dice and hope that you get a good fit. And it might take a little more time to complete the adoption process. Yeah. But what a great investment of your time. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's like there's a big return on that investment. You focus on primarily dogs that are coming from an environment of cruelty or neglect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is a red flag for some people that they think, oh, this is a dog that's going to be insecure or aggressive or both. Right. And they're put off by that. Any dog can have a personality that is not a fit. Right. But dogs are so adaptive and so eager to please and so conditioned Mm -hmm. to be social that they want to please you. So just because a dog is a a product of cruelty or neglect doesn't mean this is a dangerous dog. Right. Do you have people who come in with a little bit of trepidation about, okay, my neighbor or my friend or my coworker adopted from here, so I'm going to give you a chance, but how dangerous are these dogs? Like what's its background? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) both of you were nodding the entire time I was plodding through that question. Yeah. We do get that a lot, especially, I mean, obviously this is everywhere with like pit bulls and like the stigma of like, Oh, this is an aggressive breed. This is an aggressive dog. And we're like seeing this dog rolling on the floor, like just Mm -hmm. wanting love. So we definitely do get a lot of that, but I think more so what we get, we work with a lot of like breeder releases. So dogs that are from like puppy mills and things like that. And we get a lot of like, oh, this dog's from a breeder. It's going to be a perfect dog. They're bred to be perfect. So we kind of have both ends of the spectrum of like, this dog is going to be horrible because it's from a cruelty neglect Mm -hmm. situation. And this dog is going to be perfect because it's from a breeder. Yeah. Typically, those are the most neglectful situations. Yeah. Either way, you need to have your expectations adjusted. The hardest for us to, you know, work through with them because they have the most trauma typically. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and I think also what I've seen a lot in my experience is that we get a lot of people that come in and say, you know, they're looking for something very specific, and it usually doesn't have to do with personalities. Like, their list of things that they want is usually about looks, color, they want Mm -hmm. a specific breed because that's what they grew up with, or things like that, and it typically isn't because they've done the research to think that this breed of dog is the best mm-hmm. fit or things like that. It's usually about yeah, looks. It's, it's not that they're coming yeah. in and saying, I need a hypoallergenic dog. I mean, my kid has asthma. and the, mm-hmm. That's usually something superficial. Yeah, yeah. and that I do wanting. try to tell people too, because you know, like you said, we get a lot of people that will come in and say, oh, well, if they've been neglected or abused, they're going to be a harder dog. But on the flip side of that, something that I do like to tell people is that Typically, the dogs that come in from these neglect and abuse cases, they get to the shelter where they're getting loved all the time, food all the time. They're getting, especially in our our group, which is play groups, it's like doggy mm-hmm. daycare all day long. And they're coming from these horrible situations and they think it's the best thing ever because it's the best they've ever known. So they come out of their shell pretty quickly. I'm so they, happy. Yeah, they become yes. friendly very quickly. They're just like, wow, my life just got so great. So they're just so grateful and thankful for everything. Typically, the dogs that actually really struggle and have all those insecurities and behavioral issues that come from those insecurities are owner surrenders. The dogs that come from yeah. a home and then get put in a shelter because their owner decides they don't want them anymore. Mm-hmm. Those are the dogs that we see the biggest behavioral issues are the dogs that come from a home and then get put in the shelter. Kind of like the kid who they go to school and that's the first time they've ever heard the word no. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. You go from living in a home all the time and all of a sudden you're in this shelter. Dogs are barking. It's loud. It's chaotic. And to a dog that's only ever known as home, that's really hard. And they develop a lot of insecurity, anxiety, trauma from that. But the dogs that come from a homeless camp or from a chain on a, you know, in a backyard, 
they get there and they're like, this is the best. They're super <laughs> eager to learn. Mm-hmm. They love to go out. They love to play. They're ready for play group. You know, they're like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they come out of the like, show. Wait, really we get quick. to eat today too. Yeah. We ate yesterday yeah. and we're going to eat again today. Yeah. This is yeah. wonderful. So those are typically the dogs that are just happy, go lucky, ready for anything, ready for the next adventure. And then by the time they get to the home, they're like, Yes, <laughs> I, I scored one. And so they're just like happy for everything. So typically the dogs with the biggest behavioral issues, I would say would be the owner surrenders. My wife, Dawn, and I will readily admit that Rosie, for whom Rosie Fund is named, then followed by uh, Rosie Fund Ambassador Peaches, and then uh, the brief time we had with Vinny, we didn't pick any of those three dogs. Yeah. yeah. They picked us. Oh, yeah. And we were not looking for anything. We weren't looking to even adopt when we met any of those three dogs. Yeah. But they picked us, and we couldn't imagine our lives without them. Very different personalities. I would probably have some sort of criteria the next time I adopt, but I will honestly tell you I don't know how well I would stick to it (laughs) if a dog just connected with me. And I would encourage anybody to adopt and go in with an open mind and an open heart and then just make a smart decision based on the guidance from the staff who can help you understand, is this dog going to be a fit? Because there obviously are some deal breakers. Yeah. This dog needs an active lifestyle or this dog can't be in an apartment or this dog's on meds or any number of things that you need to consider. But to narrow it down to I want this color of coat or this breed or yeah. I actually had a lady one time tell me that she needed specifically a white dog because she had a white couch and she wanted the dog's fur to match her couch <laughs> and then she had a big other list of like all the personality things I was like so it has to have a million things and it has to be white <laughs> cool. I don't know if I can help you we'll get right on it well let me direct you to where you can get a fish right probably more your style because yeah you're maybe being a little too picky yeah people just have their mindset on either replicating like you said this is the kind of dog i grew up with or something else that okay this is not going to work like rosie one of the reasons we weren't looking for a dog is because we didn't have a fence Mm -hmm in our backyard. And then we were fostering her so she could get her heartworm treatment. She had been at Casey Pet Project for eight months with heartworm. And they keep hoping we'll get her adopted, then we can get heartworm treatment. We'll get her adopted, and we can get heartworm treatment. And it got to the point where we just need to get her and foster for heartworm. So we fostered her and had her a couple weeks into her heartworm treatment. And I'm calling fencing contractors yeah. it's like i need bids yeah for for a fence in my backyard but she was reactive she couldn't be around most other dogs and if you had told us ahead of time you need to adopt this dog so you can get heartworm treatment we probably would have said well that's not going to work because if we adopt her we need a dog where we can be around other dogs that we can you know, go to friends' houses and play with, but we fell in love with her, and okay, so our lifestyle is going to be, we're not going to take her to a dog park. Yeah. We're not going to hang around with other dogs, and we don't feel like we were sacrificing anything. Right, right. I I feel like it's not as big of a leap as people think it's going to be to have a dog that might be dog selective or dog Mm -hmm. reactive. Most people say that they like, need their dog to be super dog social. And I would say the majority of those people don't do that many dog social activities with their dog at the end of the day. Very few Mm -hmm. people are going to the dog park three, four times a week. Very few people absolutely have to have their dog around their family members' dogs. Mm -hmm. They like the idea of it, but when you put it into real life, like how often are you really going to be hanging out with your dog? More than 90% of the time you're with your dog, there is no need to be around any other dogs. Right. Right. You're going for a walk and you can cross the other side of the street or you're sitting on your couch or you're in your backyard. Yeah. And of course, there's always training that can be done to just work on reactivity, leash skills Mm -hmm. to where even if you have a dog that doesn't like to play with other dogs, you can go on a walk and see another dog and be fine. Mm -hmm. It gets such an easy training skill. (laughs) So yeah, I I feel like it's not as big of a leap as people think it's going to be to have a dog that isn't super dog social. 
Well, I want to ask a little bit more about the business model of the not-for-profit. So you, at the top, talked about how it shifted a little bit. Yeah. The balance is now more about finding fosters and rescues and yeah. and getting them with a foster and into their forever home. When did you realize you were making that shift? When did that happen? Well, was it a conscious thing or was it just you realized, wait a minute, our focus has changed? Well, Sandy Outlaw, the founder of Paws, she kind of took over the facility as it was a doggy daycare boarding facility. And she is kind of the reason why it changed into rescue. She took it with the sole purpose of this will be a great rescue. So that's kind of how that happened. So it was purposeful when we got that facility and turned it into Paws that it would be a rescue. I will say just in the last five years I've been there, we've taken on way more rescue dogs and less client dogs than we had even when I started right before the pandemic. And it's just the way the animal welfare has shifted. We've had to step up to be part of it because there's so many dogs in need. Mm -hmm. Um, But that changes things for us because we have less space for client dogs that help pay for vetting and spays and neuters and, you know, facility needs and things like that that used to be pretty well covered by boarding and daycare. And Mm -hmm. now we don't have the space for very many boarding and daycare dogs. So we're limited on our resources because we're taking on all these extra rescue dogs. So now we're trying to kind of grow our name as a rescue and lean more heavily into that as we advertise ourselves for donors and fundraising and and all those kinds of things. Because the clients, the daycare boarding grooming Mm -hmm. clients aren't covering things anymore for us Mm -hmm. to be able to sustain the rescue because we're taking on more dogs. So donations and volunteers are very important, but I think it's just a wonderful model that at least some of it is covered by... That kind of uh, like what Scott Poor does. Yeah. That, uh, and we need to get him back on here. We haven't had him on in a long time. <laughs> but that the mission with this is a business. Yeah. Yeah. But the purpose of this business is to contribute to animal welfare. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great to be able to, if you're going to take your dog to doggy daycare, why not take them to a place where by them going and playing with other dogs, they're helping another dog mm-hmm. you know, by going and getting your dog groomed at KC Paws versus somewhere else, that money could pay for a dog that just came in vaccines for the day. Like it's as simple as that. Just one service can pay for a dog to get vaccines. One boarding stay can pay for three or four dogs to get spayed and neutered. So it really does make a big difference. And more animal services. And when I talk about animal services, I'm not talking about animal control. I'm talking about groomers and like pet, pet stores services. as services for animals could follow that model. Yeah, absolutely. So certainly people in Kansas City, if you're looking for a place to donate, to volunteer, to contribute to the welfare of animals, PAWS is a great opportunity to do that. Absolutely. But also if you're looking to foster or adopt. And kcpaws.org yes. is linked in the description along with all of your social media. You're in the Waldo area, so... Mm-hmm. People who are looking yeah. for a grooming, yeah. here's a place to go. But our listeners around the world, maybe you can be inspired to follow this model. Well, what can I do that contributes? We had uh, Ashley Shans on years ago who does color pencil sketches. And I'll point those sketches out to you before you leave <laughs> of dogs. And so we have a beautiful one of Rosie and one of Peaches and one of Vinny. She just does amazing work, but her payment, she takes out enough to cover her supplies Mm -hmm. and a cup of coffee, and the rest of it goes to animal welfare organizations. That's awesome. I love that. And I think that's something others out there can do, whether you're in a business that's larger than what Ashley's doing with just one drawing at a time. Maybe this is a side hustle or something that you do in retirement, or this could be the main thrust of your viable business like what pause is doing Mm -hmm. so i hope you're an inspiration to others anything else you've learned about working at a non-for-profit or a uh, animal welfare because you've been in it for a few years how long have you been with them cora a year and a half now year and a half so a year and a half and michelle so about three years yeah three and a half four years no i've been in rescue for going on 10 years now i've been at pause for going on five years so you're an old hand at this um (laughs) how well let me focus on michelle for a second 
How have you seen it change over the last 10 years? Oh, boy. Well, so when I first started in rescue, I was working with a foster-based only group. So it was just foster homes. So we would get together. I hosted adoption events and fundraisers and things like that. And that's kind of how we got started. And, you know, in the last 10 years, first of all, just the increase of pet population, the homeless pet population, then the pandemic really kind of shifted everything. I feel like that was a big turning point because all of a sudden everybody's home, everybody wants a dog. And of course, I'm sure that's been talked about you know, mm-hmm. a million times. Everybody wanted a dog while they were home. And then that all was of a sudden, great for a few months. Yeah, that was great <laughs> for shelters. All of a sudden, everybody, you know, is having adoptions left and right. And it's amazing. And then people start going back to work and they don't want their dogs anymore. So now we have all these pandemic dogs and unsocialized puppies that were from rescues or breeders or wherever they got mm-hmm. them from during the pandemic when nobody was going anywhere. Dog parks were closed down. So now there's a lot of not social dogs that are bouncing around from rescue to rescue, shelter to shelter, needing homes that were kind of a product of the pandemic and everybody wanting a dog all at the same time. The COVID puppies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the COVID puppies are not (laughs) the best of puppies. (laughs) I've seen just this huge boom in the amount of dogs that were being requested to take in. You know, it went from it being normal to have five to ten requests a week, whether it be from owner surrenders or another rescue group saying, hey, can you help with this dog? You know, we're a little full right now. Do you have some room? You know, just kind of networking with each other to suddenly 30, 40 requests a day, calls all day long, Mm -hmm. phone constantly ringing. And a lot of it is rescue to rescue, trying to help network with each other because we're all so full and everybody's Mm -hmm. begging and pleading. Somebody's got to have space for this dog that I had to tell no today because all of us hate saying no to any dog mm-hmm. that we get requested. And, and now, it's like like a, a restaurant that's doing a booming business can think about, well, do I want to open another location in the crossroads? Right. Or do I want to mm-hmm. add a food truck? You already are strapped. Yeah. For we the facility yeah, that we, we have. Yeah. resources yeah. to just say, well, let's take a 10 extra dogs And there's today. no <laughs> investor coming to you to say, I would like to... Uh, invest in a restaurant if you would open one north of the river right Right. yeah Yeah. we have no resources for the dogs that we have let alone to take on this amount extra so we're all playing musical chairs with dogs basically trying to create space as quickly as possible to help as many as possible and you know the majority of the calls now are people saying i moved and now i can't have my dog we had a baby we don't want our dog you know it's a lot of i'm just seeing a change I guess the most in adopters and in people and the responsibility that people take for their pets and patience. Yeah. Too. It's just getting less and less and less as the years go on. I feel like people are less patient, less responsible. They don't think through their decisions. And also with the economy being the way it is, there's a lot of people in financial situations where now they feel like they can't keep their pets. So mm-hmm. it's a combination of everything happening in the world is having a negative effect on a lot of animals and, you know, you get people saying, well, you're a rescue. That's your job. Why yeah. can't I bring my dog to you? Every single person in America's pet is yeah. not our responsibility. Yeah. And I don't think it's like that. I don't think it is a completely flawed analogy. If you were an orphanage. Yeah. For someone to say, uh, this kid doesn't fit my lifestyle anymore. You're an orphan. Yeah. Take, take the kid. Right. Yeah. Get this kid off my hands. Right. Yeah. That's essentially what we get every single day. You know, whether it be people just walking in the door saying, here's my dog, you can take it, right? Or people calling, you know, and saying, well, isn't that your job? But it's significantly getting worse and worse and worse as the years go on, just the amount of people who are just very irresponsible with their pets. There's really no good way to put it. Yeah, and they say, isn't this your job? But really right now our job is education at this point. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of time that it takes us to answer these phone calls and be like, I'm so sorry, we are really full. Like you can try this, this, and this. We have a form that you can fill out and send us pictures and we'll try to ask, you know, other people. But really just the entire animal welfare community is just struggling. For seven years, that's how long Rosie Fund has been in existence. At the beginning, we were sorting out what's the best way for us to help senior and harder to adopt dogs have a better life. And is that covering the potential medical costs of a dog that's in a shelter that perhaps has ongoing medical needs like prescriptions or something? And what else could we sponsor? And we've tried a variety of things. And for a while, 
what we thought was best was we would cover the adoption fees and trusting that those working in the shelter would do the best job they could to screen someone to make sure they're just not getting the free dog. There's only so much you can do to sort that out. And they were doing a pretty good job of that. But we still would occasionally get a sense that that's what was happening. That evolved into the Rosie Life Starter Kits. We're not going to cover the cost of the dog. And shelters still have specials just because they're so packed. Yeah. yeah. That we got to have free dogs. Or wonderful people like Derek Noddy sponsoring mm-hmm. dogs. Yeah. That's just amazing. Thank you, Derek Noddy. But then the Rosie Life Starter Kit gets a leash, a collar, treats, a gift certificate, basically $100 worth of things that this dog needs to sort of hit the ground running in their new home. But the dogs we feature, it's to draw attention to dogs that really need to get out of the shelter. Yeah. Senior and harder to adopt dogs primarily. But by not covering the adoption fee, the adopter has at least some skin in the game. Yeah. My father, who's been retired for, boy, 20 years now, he would get bicycles that he would, like on trash day and people just throwing out a bike, and he would get enough bicycles, they have enough parts that he could, here is a intact bike, or this just needs new pedals, or this just needs new tires, and he would mm-hmm. fix up the bikes and just let neighborhood children have them. He quickly learned, I need to charge five or ten bucks for a bike. Yeah. This bike is that I'm giving away is worth hundreds of dollars. And so it's not like, oh, by charging five, now I'm making money. It's like he could still be making a lot more money if he was selling them for what they're worth, but just that little bit so that people have skin in the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a kid who had to ask for $5 or had to do some chores to earn 5 or $10 is going to take better care of their bike. Yeah. yeah. It's no different with adults. So yeah. we have the Rosie Life Starter Kit. You st- still need to have some skin in the game. And occasionally a dog would come back, we would find out from the shelter that one of your rosy life dogs came back a day later, a week later. The first time that happened, we were shocked. It's like, how could someone do that? And there are some where there were circumstances like you described that they suddenly had to move and they couldn't take it with them. Maybe, maybe not. But it happens so often now yeah. I'm not desensitized to it, but I'm no longer surprised. Yeah, I used to be surprised and upset now i'm just upset yeah yeah well and see it's hard to talk about the subject because you don't ever want to sound like you're obviously all rescues and shelters are here for the same purpose so we don't ever want to sound like we are against any certain shelter in the way they do things because we're all working with very limited resources and doing the best we can mm-hmm. and we recognize that but we do feel at pause at least that screening adopters matters, that adoption fees matter because at the end of the day, if you can't afford an adoption fee, you probably can't afford a dog, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the dogs are expensive to care for. And so if you can't afford to pay more than $10, maybe getting a dog isn't the best option right now. And so we do like to charge that fee because first of all, for us, we have to, because it covers vetting, covers vaccines, space and neuters, because we don't have- It allows you to help more dogs. Yeah, we don't have big donors coming in to cover those things, so we have to charge those fees. But like you said, you know, we send, with every single one of our adopted dogs, we send them with a leash, collar, food, toys, a toy box, their microchip, their spayed and neutered, they're up to date on vaccines. But we do charge that fee to make sure that the people who are getting them are serious. This is an informed decision. Mm-hmm. They're willing to go through our screening process. They're willing to do a home visit. We want to make sure that we're getting adopters who have at least really thought this through and are trying to make a well-informed decision to be committed to this dog for the rest of its life. Because the one thing that we do see a lot with the discounted adoptions or the free adoptions is impulse adoptions, Mm -hmm. which typically those dogs get brought back very quickly because as soon as the responsibility of the dog kicks in, they realize that this isn't actually what I wanted and and the dog's back. Yeah, it's kind of like giving someone a free house who yeah. can't afford to furnish the house right. yeah. or pay the property taxes or the utilities. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, maybe just renting for now is fine. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be a homeowner until yeah. you can afford it. There's been multiple times when I've been volunteering at a shelter and someone will come in and want to do a meet and greet and you talk through the, like if it's a pit bull, well, where do you live? Mm-hmm. Yep. To find out is there breed, a breed legislation yeah. or a... An apartment where they don't allow pits or whatever breed this dog is. And you kind of go through that. 
but you don't look at their pay stub. Right. And you will get to the point where, oh, I just love this, and the dog's getting along with them, and you think, oh, this is going to work. And then they'll say something like, okay, can you hold the dog? Because I don't get paid till Friday. Well, if that's a deal breaker for you, how are you going to feed this dog? How are you going to pay the vet bills Mm -hmm. for just basic care, let alone if there's something catastrophic? Maybe you need to save up money. Yeah. And it's sad when it's like a young couple that comes in and it's like, oh, now we're together and then we're going to get a dog. And and so what happens in a couple months when you find out you're going to have a baby Yeah, that's even more expensive than a dog? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of dogs are in shelters mm-hmm. because somebody is not a baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to discourage a young couple or a college student from getting a dog, but prioritize. Think about, yeah. is this what I want to do? Well, then, instead of buying a gaming system, right, right. I'm going to put those resources into a dog. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just being able to ask yourself also and have an honest answer with yourself. Am I the kind of person that if I get a dog, I'm committed to my dog? Am I going to be able to be the kind of person that when things come up, I can figure it out? And really, the biggest thing it comes down to is just that commitment mm-hmm. of I have my dog. So now when I look at a place to move into... I can only look at pet-friendly places. Mm-hmm. I can only look at places that allow the type of dog that I have. If I meet someone in the future, they have to like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or if I have kids in the future, I'm going to be raising my kid with a dog. You know, it's just when When we bought this questions. house, yeah. we had peaches, and there were a couple of municipalities, one of which has finally come to its senses, that there were great neighborhoods, but... I can't take peaches there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're, you're, there. you're out. Yeah. And then there were a couple HOAs mm-hmm. yeah. where, oh, I love this neighborhood. And, uh, oh, this house would be great. I, that's, that's the right price. We liked it. And then our realtor would look for the covenant and it's like, oh, pit bull. It's like, okay, be sure and tell the person who's showing this house the reason why we are walking away. Be sure that they know we loved this and we're going to make an offer. We honestly were, but you are living somewhere that we can't have peaches, who quite honestly would be better than the residents of most yeah, right. <laughs> any any neighborhood. Peaches would be the t- best resident in that neighborhood. And then they're not going to allow a sweet, beautiful pity like peaches. Cora, so year and a half you've been part mm-hmm. of this. What were you doing before then? Um, I was working in a kennel as well. So as like a kennel attendant, like shift lead type person as well. So that was kind of my background of seeing owned dogs before and kind of seeing the issues with responsibility in a different way. And then coming into a rescue, it's, it's a very different feel and you learn a lot about dogs, but you learn a lot more about people, Mm -hmm. I feel like, so... Yeah, that was like the biggest thing for me to learn. I've been volunteering as well for a long time, but as just like, a, oh, I'm going to go walk a dog and, you know, do these mm-hmm. things and then actually getting into adoptions and meeting people and talking to them about what they want and what they don't want. It's yeah, it's a lot to, to handle, honestly. You've both talked a little bit about what needs you have at pause, always donations, donations, donations. Fosters is the biggest thing. <laughs> we it's, can find blankets and towels anywhere, really. Mm-hmm. I can go to the thrift store <laughs> once a week. I don't care. I, we need foster homes, <laughs> like, desperately. <laughs> We've had a variety of rescue groups on that have talked about fosters. We have had a variety of foster volunteers on, puppy fosters, maternity fosters, mm-hmm. uh, hospice fosters, long-term fosters. Yeah. If you are interested at all in fostering, whether it's with PAWS or any of the other groups we've had on, you can find a situation that will fit your lifestyle. If you're someone, I would just want to take a dog day out for a weekend, KC Prep Project would love to have you give them a call or just stop by. So, you know, that is an option. But if you want a more intimate foster experience that the smaller rescue groups can offer, 
pause yeah. is wonderful. And especially the fact that grooming services and boarding services are part of it. So if you're thinking, I really can't do long-term foster because I don't know, I might need to take a trip in a couple months. Yeah, or um, if you travel for work or if you're worried about not being able to let the dog out to potty enough, you can drop it off at daycare while you work. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of options and we will find you a good fit. Even if it takes trying out a couple dogs or, you know, things like that, like we will find you a good fit. We'll take them to your house to make sure it's a good fit. Introduce to any other pets in the home, kids in the home, really anything you need. We'll find you a good fit. And we also, because we have kind of that rescue hub of all the different groups in our same facility, we work with Mid-America Bully Breed Rescue, the Animal Rescue Alliance, Lucky 13, Missouri German Shepherd Rescue, and Angel Hearts are all in our facility as well. So even if maybe Casey Paws doesn't right at that time have the perfect fit dog for you to foster, mm-hmm. one we of our partners who, yeah. who our staff also takes care of their dogs and knows them just as well as our dogs, we can find you a good fit. And we really, really need fosters. I feel like because of those services, we have a really great foster program and we have a very hard time finding fosters. I don't understand. (laughs) Well, hopefully there will be some listening to this episode of Dog Words. And as always, I encourage our listeners, share Dog Words. Even if you aren't adopting or you're not in a position to foster, by sharing this, someone you know may fit the bill, maybe exactly what Paws is looking for, or perhaps more importantly, is exactly the person that one of those dogs is looking for. Absolutely. And if you foster fail, then you foster fail. (laughs) And that's okay. Yeah, we've only done it three times. Yeah, I've done it many times, so I can't judge anyone that foster fails. Uh, Well, and technically, uh, Peaches was not a foster fail. That was just a dog day out. Yeah. We, we well, weren't officially day out fail. We we really officially fast. fostering. Uh, a weekend turned into a week, and then someone wanted to adopt her who said, well, they wanted to meet her, but uh, they were building a house. So if this works out, we wouldn't be able to take her for probably eight months. Wow. So we told the foster coordinator, we're not going to do the meet and greet. Yeah. We're going to adopt. That's silly. And they said, well, you don't have to adopt. You can not do the meet and greet and decide to foster because that's where we were. It's like the dog day out had turned into, it's like, well, do we need to foster or do we need to return her or it's going to get adopted by this, this family. And it's like, uh, who are we kidding? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. Yeah. I've been there in that limbo of no, for sure. Somebody will have you soon. (laughs) They're looking at you like you're funny. I'm not going anywhere. Who are you talking about? Not me. (laughs) Yep. We've all been there. With Rosie Fun, fundraising is so hard as it is for any not-for-profit. What are some of the initiatives that you guys have taken to raise funds? We have two really big fundraisers a year along with just other, you know, smaller things and social media campaigns and things like that. But during the summer, we have the Paul Cheney Fitness Fundraiser, which has started because of uh, one of our clients. And then in January, we're going to have our first annual winter firmal. Firmal. Um, I get what, so I saw what a, you did there. It's going to be like basically kind of like prom for adults, but also with dogs. And we're going to have a dinner and a silent auction and live entertainment, an open bar, a live DJ at the end of the night. So it's going to be like a really, really fun event where people can come. There's going to be all kinds of things for kind of different types of people to do. And just a really, really fun event. And we're going to, of course, have some adoptable dogs there. It's going to be at... Um, Union 828 in downtown Kansas City, which is a really, really beautiful venue. My oh, sister yes. actually got married there. That's how I knew <laughs> of it to ask. And they're pet friendly, so that's awesome. Um, so there's three levels, and you know, we're going to have stuff on every level. We're going to have some vendors selling things and you know just all kinds of stuff, really, for people to come and do and sit and have dinner and drinks and bid on stuff and dress up and take pictures with puppies and, and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be really fun. There are tickets for sale at kcpaws.org if anybody wants to go. That's going to be a really fun event and a really good way also just to like get to know the people of Paws that are going to be there talking to everybody. And if you want to go out and have a good time yeah, and help a wonderful organization, absolutely. what better way to do it? I know all not-for-profits are struggling, and you talk about the, the networking that uh, is such a key part of what you do Uh, what are some of the ways that you help each other as animal welfare groups? 
Yeah. We have a big network of people who are in this community, whether they run their own group or they know somebody that runs a group or they're just in it to volunteer. And part of that, we actually run the um, Greater Goods program where we partner with other rescue groups, shelters that need help with food, supplies, anything really to help the dogs in their program for a discounted cost. So anyone who's wanting to help with animal welfare, but you don't know, well, what group needs food? What group needs leashes? What group needs blankets and towels? Yeah, This is one way that you could contribute, but you don't need to figure any of that out. Yeah, Just yeah. get so, it to you guys, and you guys will make sure it gets where it needs to yeah, go. Yeah, we get pallets donated from Chewy, Petco, you know, suppliers like that, um, and we store everything. We pay to store it in a warehouse, and we distribute it to other small groups. So if you know of a group that might be having a hard time or, you know, might just need uh, extra food, and even though our rescue is just dogs, we have cat supplies there, equine supplies there, sometimes small animal supplies. It just depends on what gets donated, but we keep everything packaged in pallets and we can distribute it either by pallets or by product to different rescue groups that might just need a little extra help. And any nonprofit rescue group can sign up through our website at kcpaws.org. So I encourage all of the rescue groups who have been on here, at least the ones who are local, yeah. If you're not already connected, and some of you are already connected because when you mentioned a bunch of them a moment ago, it's like, oh, they've been on. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> so I, I know some of your your uh, network, so let's help KC Paws expand their network. Definitely. Takes an army, for sure. <laughs> Anything else? I've seen like this post on Facebook that says, your dog, I promise you, will be much happier being home alone all day and then see you at night than it would be in a shelter and all of us have been like sharing that on our Facebook page and being like this is so true but it it really is Mm -hmm. at the end of the day if you are struggling with your current pet or you know somebody that is um, feel free to reach out because we we really do value education on the dog front and on the pet ownership front yeah, usually people are just like jumping to, I need to surrender my yeah. dog mm-hmm. rather than, is there anything you can do to help me be a better owner to my dog resources yeah. that you can yeah. give me? Yeah, it's interesting that it's, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm saying this is true mm-hmm. of, of all humans, almost all humans, that it's easier to give up than it is to ask for help. Yeah, yeah. and we see that a lot, and we hear a lot, oh, it's just not fair to my dog, I work so much, but is it more fair for them to sit in a shelter for a questionable amount of time? Mm-hmm. Because especially like if it's a pit bull, it could be here for years, you know, and yeah. we're a sanctuary rescue. We keep dogs as long as we feel they have a good quality of life and they're happy with us. We keep them for however long it takes. And currently like we have a dog we've had for seven years and we get a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not fair to my dog to be home all day while I'm at work. So I need to surrender it how is this more fair? You know, so Mm -hmm. a lot of people jump to surrendering before they jump to asking for help. And there's services like Rover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doggy daycare. Which, which, and my sister is with Rover Mm -hmm. and she is dog CPR certified. She knows how to give shots Mm -hmm. to animals. She will come stay at your house. So her rate is fairly high Mm -hmm. because of what you're getting. But there are also options on Rover for someone who's not going to give your dog shots. Right. <laughs> and most dogs don't and, need that. You know? but, oh, yeah. but to just have someone who will drop in during the day. And so let if, them out to if, potty. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, if the issue is my dog is alone for eight hours, here's someone who will come for letting them out for whether it's a few minutes or just come hang out for an hour. Because there are people who it's like, well, for a few bucks, I can read my book right. in your living room mm-hmm. and, and pet your dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> and most dogs you know, can hold it and be fine for eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty normal. That's most dogs' lives. Most mm-hmm. dogs have owners that go to work every day. Yeah, so, Some can, some yeah. can't. But the important thing is, well, let's figure that out before right. we before dump we it jump, into a right. shelter. Yeah. And I can't speak for every doggy daycare, but like our doggy daycare is $20 for half day, 25 for a full day. And maybe you only do it a couple times a week, but it's an extra outlet for their energy. You know, that's skip a few trips to Starbucks and take your dog to doggy daycare, you know? So it, it, there is so many resources. Maybe you have a neighbor that would be willing to go let your dog out at lunchtime that works from home and, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt to ask. 
our thing is ask for help before you just give up on your dog because there usually is a solution. Mm-hmm. We need to be as adaptive as they are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dogs are very resilient and it goes for, you know, just like we were talking about people saying, well, they've been abused or neglected, so they're going to have too many issues. But we see all the time dogs come from terrible situations and they're the sweetest dogs ever. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a pit bull that I had a pit bull. She passed away. Sorry. <laughs> but I still talk about her in present tense. Um, Hard not to. Yeah. It was very recent, so I'm not used to her being gone yet. But I got her at nine years old, and she came from living on a chain on concrete her whole life. And everybody said when I got pregnant with my son, like, well, are you going to get rid of your pit bull? Because how are you going to trust her? She came from such a bad situation. And she was the first one when I brought my son home that was, like, laying next to him in his little boppy pillow, like, Mm -hmm. licking his feet and cuddling with him. And, you know, she has no reason to be as sweet as she is, you know, and that's how so many of them are. They have no reason to be as sweet as they are, but here they are. So dogs are so resilient, and you put the time and the love into them, and they're going to give it back. Oh, yes. It's worth it. Absolutely. Well, thank you to both of you for what you do, Cora Miller and Michelle Laskin. Uh, Paws is just a wonderful organization, and... If you can work with PAWS, if you can donate, if you can volunteer, if you can foster, if you can adopt, or if you can be inspired to do something as wonderful as they are doing, then this interview is time well spent for all of us. So thank you for being on Dog Words, and thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Kennel Manager Cora Miller and Director of Operations Michelle Laskin from KC Protective Animal Welfare Society for joining us today. Links to KC Paws online are in the description, along with relevant episodes from the Dog Words Archive. A big thank you to alternative string duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Supporting The Wires supports our mission. Learn more about The Wires, including their concert schedule, at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Go to rosyfun.org to shop and get links to our social media. As always, please download, follow, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions via the contact form at rosiefund.org and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor or a guest of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening to Dog Words, and remember, we save each other. Mm-hmm.